Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting and NDT Scouting, NFL Draft, and NFL Analyst at FanRag Sports. And I am thrilled to bring some love to West Coast, Best Coast, with my bestie Joe Marino, my co-host here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Today we're going to be looking at the Pac-12 Conference. Uh, not a lot of love outside of a couple of quarterbacks in this conference, but there are plenty of prospects that deserve your attention. We're going to cover a lot of those guys today. Joe, happy hump day. I am stunned to find out, first and foremost, that you actually have appointment television. I found this out <laughs> last night. That's right. There's, uh, there's one th- – I mean, outside of football games, there's one thing that is appointment television for me each year. And that is hard knocks, and so uh, we—I finally got to Im- impose my desires on our recording schedule and say, "Hey, we've got to get this thing recorded before that debut at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time," uh, because hard knocks is my thing, man. The girlfriend loves it, so it's kind of like the the one show that we watch. I think there's only like five episodes a year, but uh, uh, that's it. That's what uh, we get in terms of non-actual football games in the uh, Marino household. When it comes to appointment TV, that's great. You know, it's um, I'm glad that there is something in your life that you will set your clock by that involves the television screen. <laughs> it's not a football game. So I, you told you kind of brought the hammer down and said, "Let's record at nine. Got to be done before Hard Knocks. Appointment TV." And I was like, "Yes." Just speaking my language, I can sympathize with this. I understand. Hit me with the quick yes. So this is uh, this is going to be uh, all of August then. You know, I'm setting recording schedule on Sunday nights before Game of Thrones, and you're setting recording schedule on Tuesday nights uh, before Hard Knocks. Yeah, so we're pretty much setting outside of the Friday show. We'll get that figured out, though. Yeah, if you guys want to contact us, you know when not to contact <laughs> us because you know when we'll be recording podcasts for the next month. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, this is uh, we've been working our way through the major conferences. We saved uh, 
one of the biggest ones for last as far as high-profile players with the SEC, Joe. Pac-12 doesn't get a lot of love, uh, but there are some interesting players here. I know there's a number of players that we've done over the course of the summer that have caught our eye in some way, shape, or form, some for better, some for worse. Um, I'm kind of curious if I gave you an open floor, which I'm doing unprompted here. Mm -hmm. You're talking about somebody in the Pac-12. Who do you want to talk about? Oh, man, this this is a Joe Marino has to pick one guy. Yeah. You, you know me, I, I I would go with that, with a handful. Uh, okay, I'll hit you with one that I think is a little bit off the radar here. We haven't talked about him at all, uh, but I got a chance to look at him quite a bit uh, during the season last year, and he's a name that I starred for this year, and that's Trey Adams, the Washington left tackle. Um he looks like a quality football player. I think he's a guy that will be in the mix to be, you know, among the first uh, offensive tackles selected next year. He's a big, long guy, moves pretty well. Good pass blocker. Really kind of has that natural feel for mirroring and uh, has good strength. So I think uh, just to kind of kick things off, I went under the radar a little bit and say Trey Adams, uh, left tackle over there at Washington, is a guy that I think should be on everyone's radar. And um, it could be a guy that, you know, I don't think he's going to be in that McGlinchey, Connor Williams tier, but when you start talking about that next tier with you know him and uh, and Mitch Hyatt, well Orlando Brown's probably above that, but kind of that kind of that second to third tier tackles, but quality in and of themselves. I think Trey Adams is a good football player out of Washington. Yeah, Washington's offense in general has a lot of players that people are going to have to pay attention to this year. Um, Browning, quarterback. Uh, he's a, a true junior. He is draft eligible. Uh, the opportunities that I did have to watch Browning, whether that was looking at Dante Pettis film this summer or watching Washington play down the stretch. And, you know, they played big games against Alabama and USC down the stretch. Uh, I, I'm not totally enamored with his arm talent, but anytime you go 43 and nine with your touchdown interception ratio, it's going to catch some interest. Um, he's, he's got a little bit of a longer delivery, uh, that I'm hoping to see get quickened up a little bit, tightened up. Uh, but he made big jumps as a sophomore. Now it'll be interesting to see if the technical side of his game can follow the production side of his game. Now that he's another year experienced as a starter, uh, running back miles Gaskin is pretty underrated. Uh, he's top 1300 rushing yards and registered. Uh, 24 total rushing touchdowns, uh, that rushing total of 1,300 in each of his first two seasons with Washington. Really productive back, and that is in part due to that offensive line that you mentioned, Joe. Uh, another prospect on the offensive line is center Coleman Shelton, who's 6'4", 293, redshirt senior. Uh, he's played up and down the line, so he's got some versatility. Uh, I didn't see a lot of great functional strength, so I do think his his permanent home is in the middle. I think that's probably where he's best suited. He played right tackle as a freshman, starting seven games there. Uh, and then Dante Pettis, who I already mentioned, is another one for uh, the Washington offensive prospect group. Uh, apparently a lot more dynamic of an athlete than he looks like in pads. That's something I know, Joe, you and I have talked about individually off the air uh, interesting case of, you know, we, we were forwarded some of his test numbers from the spring and uh, looked like it was like high four threes in the 40 and high 30s for a, a vertical jump and big broad jump. And he just doesn't really play that dynamic. 
I don't think I think he he comes across as more smooth than explosive, and that's one of those athletic disconnects where now I'm going to be looking for evidence of why there's that disconnect when I watch Pettis play this year. But uh, certainly a player that, you know, he's going to step into the number one receiver role and take over where John Ross uh, vacated when Ross left for the NFL. So uh, Pettis should certainly be the, the main beneficiary in the passing game. So lots of prospects to look at in Washington's offense. Yeah. And when you look at their defense, you know, they've got uh, Vita Villa, the, the, the defensive tackle, the big, mammoth, you know, gap plugger there that uh, there's, he's got some fans in the draft community. Um, I think we're a little bit more cautious on him. I know you and I both, and you made the comment in the pre-show that he's put on, what was it? 80 pounds in three years. I mean, that's, that's just nuts. Um, and then a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's not normal. Right. Uh, Azeem Victor, the linebacker is another guy who, uh, has some fans as well, but I know that you and John both did the film assessment and didn't didn't come away overly excited. But uh, those guys have a season in front of them to kind of emerge and and show some growth as players. But you know, I don't think defensively last year with <laughs> with the uh, all the talent they had, it's not going to be the same type of thing this year with the with the Washington defense. Yeah, how crazy is there are two teams in the Pac-12 that lost like three quarters of their secondary. Uh, to the NFL, Colorado being the other one. Yes. Yeah. With uh, <laughs> Awuzie, Witherspoon, and the uh, the safety there. Yep. Uh, Thompson. That that's a yeah Thompson Thompson. That's a that's a rough uh, rough group to lose so many high quality players to, uh, especially in this conference where you've got a Mike Leach spread offense, uh, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. Uh, a lot of competition here. Uh, Joe, I think one thing that I want to talk about since we're talking about defensive prospects, um, USC has a ton of junior, true junior prospects. Uh, Raheem Green, Porter Gustin, Cameron Smith, and Imon Marshall, uh, all true juniors, all returning starters, uh, Gustin, 6'5", 260. Green is 6'5", 280. Cameron Smith is the starting middle linebacker, 6'2", 245. I'm on Marshall is 6'1", 200. I think Marshall's the best one of this group. I don't know how much, Joe, if any, you've had a chance to look at some of these guys specifically, but when I did USC's uh, prospect primer for NDTscouting.com, I watched a little bit, like a smaller sampling, like a game and a half, two games of each of these guys just to kind of get a taste. I'm really excited about Imon Marshall. Uh, he started opposite of Adore Jackson last year, was second on the team in interceptions with three. A uh, lot of likable boxes checked uh, as far as playing from the trail position, uh, being competitive at the catch point, looking up and identifying the football with working his head around late. He's long, he's big, he's twitchy, he's loose. Uh, this has the potential to be uh, somebody who really uh, makes a name for himself if he plays technically sound this year because he has a ton of physical gifts. Well, so there you go. I'm on Marshall, a guy that uh, I need to get some eyes on here before the season starts. That was some high praise from you, Kyle. Um, yes. The yeah the the player on the USC defense that I had the most familiarity with is Cameron Smith who I peeped and he's a physical guy and uh, you know he has I don't think he's a, a super 
explosive sideline to sideline guy, but um, you know, I think in in the right scheme, I think he has a place. Uh, but he's you know he's a good quality football player for USC, and you know I think when we look at USC in general, that's the team that I think is is the favorite in this conference to win it, and uh, you know obviously that starts with their their star quarterback uh, Sam, Sam Darnold who. You know, had a had a hell of a stretch there to, to close out last season, and and obviously everyone knows about his performance against Penn State in the bowl game. I mean, kind of showing that it factor, and and you know you've you've really celebrated his mental processing skills. The you know the the big concern is the delivery. We've talked about that on this show, so we'd obviously like to see that speed up. But when you look at this conference in general, this quarterback group is is pretty good in terms of guys that are going to, you know, have a chance to play in Sundays and, and, and potentially a couple of guys that are going to be at the top of the first round. And, uh, and Josh Rosen out of UCLA, Sam Darnold out of USC. You mentioned Jake Browning and then also Luke Falk out of Washington State. But we've got two guys here in Darnold and Rosen that you've done pretty extensive work on and uh, look like those guys could be, you know, right there at the top of the first round and, uh, you know, playing quarterback and the value that that has. I mean, these are going to be premier prospects going into the season. Yeah, uh, Darnold and Rosen, to me, as of right now, where they're at as players, uh, I'm giving serious consideration if I'm a team that needs a quarterback in targeting one of those guys in the top 10, top 15. Uh, both of those guys really, really like so much of what they bring to the table. Uh, Rosen kind of gives me a similar vibe to what Darnold did last year as far as when Rosen was a freshman in 15 and playing really advanced. Uh, some of the pocket movement, work down the field, NFL passing concepts and throwing with accuracy down the field in those situations, it was there. It was really exciting. And, and then obviously he got banged up with a throwing shoulder issue last year. This is Josh Rosen from US, uh, UCLA. Uh, that's scary, so we need to wait and pump the brakes a little bit and see how that throwing shoulder handles this year. It was a nerve issue, which is always kind of touch and go until a guy proves that he's totally back from it. Um, Joe, one thing that I don't think people have really talked about a whole lot with Darnold, and this will be interesting to watch develop throughout the course of this year, uh, they lost a lot of their starting offensive line. They lost Zach Banner and Chad Wheeler. And Damian Mama. So they've lost mm-hmm. three starters uh, on that offensive line to the NFL, uh, two of which got drafted. I'm sorry, only Zach Banner, which is weird because I thought he was like the worst one in the group, <laughs> got, got, got drafted. Uh, Chad Wheeler had some off-the-field issues, and Damian Mama uh, did not present as a very favorable size-adjusted athlete, which I think had a lot to do with that in addition to him playing a low-premium position at, at guard. Um but Mama actually declared early and did not get drafted, uh, and they lost both starting offensive tackles from last year. So that could be something that adds some growing pains to USC's early season uh, efforts to to kind of really solidify their standing as a top team in the in the in the country. Now, keeping things here on the quarterbacks, I think we've got to talk about Josh Rosen and some of his comments that came out. Uh, courtesy of, uh, is it Matt Hayes? Uh, yes. Bleach, yeah, yes. With Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Uh, had a really, really good uh, interview that he, he did with uh, Rosen and was able to, you know, kind of kind of 
probe and get some good nuggets. And, and, you know, he's Rosen on Monday took, uh, his share of criticism, or is it Tuesday? What day? I don't know what day of the week it was, Monday or Tuesday, uh, where he took some some criticism on Twitter from different players and stuff like that. But the the uh, the the overarching thing is that he really kind of took a shot at you know student athletes and that balancing a college class load in in the football side of things is not really something a human being should do. So you know there was some even before this article came out. Uh, you know, there was questions about, you know, does he love football and, and, you know, him talking about the athletes getting paid. And so Kyle, you know, I don't, I don't know if we want to sit here and really debate whether or not uh, athletes should get paid or um, uh, if these guys can balance school and football, but you know, that stuff does have an, an impact on draft stock. And so what's your reaction to this in, in, in terms of how he's going to be perceived by the NFL? And, and do you think this is something that's, detrimental the way that he's perceived right now yeah this is something that i talked about for fan rag looking at uh miles garrett and how guys who kind of wear more hats than just i'm a football junkie (laughs) that can kind of scare some decision makers uh because you're not supposed to have other outlets and other interests and a plan outside of football. You're supposed to want to come in and play in the league for 12 years and, you know, get three contracts and, and put your body on the line. And, uh, the more guys show that they think beyond that, I think some of the old blood in the league can be put off by that a little bit. And it's interesting because Rosen has uh, a narrative surrounding him about immaturity, uh, you have, I have read from you know, a couple of the, the guys over at NFL.com. They talk about you know, sources that they're connected with uh, have concerns regarding Rosen's mental maturity and, and how he handles certain situations. And then you go and read a piece like this, and it just kind of makes me wonder, like, how much of this maturity um, is legitimate and how much of this is just, oh, people are kind of put off by – how he is as a person and how he thinks and how he's not afraid to speak his mind in certain situations. And uh, as far as just in general, looking at a quarterback, I love a guy with a big personality as the leader of a program. And uh, as long as he channels that mentality and that, that outspokenness and leadership in a positive way, then, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for you speaking your mind um, and being transparent across the board. Uh, I, I think it's good for the NFL to have more guys that are receptive to coming out as individuals. And you see guys across the league, the, the Jameis Winston's and Jarvis Landry's and JJ Watts, uh, they're starting to brand themselves the way athletes in other sports like basketball brand themselves as individuals with an individual brand. And Rosen seems like the kind of guy that can really do that and take advantage of it. And he has the talent to back it up. And as far as I'm aware, there's no legal issues off the field with him. It's the the medical issue with the shoulder that he's got a full year, potentially more, to prove is not an issue. And, you know, other than that, I I really don't see an issue with with anything that was said as far as uh, his, his opinions on the state of college athletes. Yeah. But he came out and said, this is a quote from Josh Rosen, look, football and school don't go together. They just don't. 
trying to do both is like having two full-time jobs. And, um, you know, I think, I think that those types of comments, right or wrong, maybe he has a point, maybe he doesn't, you know, with, with the people that make decisions at the NFL level, you know, that's going to be heavily considered by them. And, you know, in this same article, Josh Rosen talks about wanting to play for 15 years and talks about how much he loves football and, and all those types of things. But, you know, there's, there's hints throughout his comments that say that he does have his mind on life after football and preparing himself. And maybe that's just him being smart, but I I do worry again, taking my opinion here is not, it doesn't matter, but I do worry about these types of comments and the types of people that make NFL decisions and how they mesh. And I think it's going to be to his detriment. I think, um, I just do. I, you know, with, with these teams and, and what they need out of these, these high investments to, you know, especially at a quarterback, you're counting this guy to be the, the, the catalyst for your rebuild. You know, you're probably a crap team. If you're in position to draft Josh Rosen and you take him, uh, you know, you really need him. And, and so, uh, you know, he's going to be one of these guys. This is going to be a conversation, Kyle, that we're going to have for six months now. You know, it's not going to go away because he's going to continue to be poked and ask questions on this. And um, it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. But I, unfortunately, even though he may have all the greatest points in the world, I just don't think he's doing himself any favors. Not saying he should be quiet, but I just worry about what this is doing in terms of his perception to the NFL decision makers. Sure. And it was, you know, you got a lot of pushback about, Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett likes dinosaurs. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's it was a, like a big news headline. Now, eventually, Cleveland ended up making the right decision, mm-hmm. but it was still something that was openly talked about about people saying, "Oh, people aren't sure about oh Miles Garrett because he's a, he seems like a really smart guy, and you know he he talks about what he wants to do after football already." And da 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 da. I uh, would hardly be surprised to see this this be a continuing talking point for Rose. He continues to you know be himself in his own skin, but uh, I, I'm sure whatever landing spot he is in will be a place that that is receptive and comfortable with that. Assuming he declares at the end of this year. Yep, that remains. Joe, let's talk about uh, some of the other. Let's talk about some of the other offensive skill players in this conference. There's a couple of running backs that I think deserve our attention. I'm going to throw three names out and I just want you uh, to, to take that wherever you, you want to. Okay. Right. It's like, uh, it's like Anchorman. I'll throw it out. If you like it, you could take it. If not, you just throw it right back. Uh, let's talk about Ronald Jones, USC, Kalen Bellage, Arizona state. Uh, we already talked about miles Gaskin from Washington. Let's say uh, Jamal Morrow, Washington state. Well, the most familiar that I have is with Balage here, and you know he's a guy with big physical, and he can move, and he has really good movement skills. Uh, so he's a guy that uh, I, I do have some concerns with in terms of him just staying in the same vicinity for too long. I just want to get him going sometimes, uh, but I think that he's got a physical skill set, and uh, and the. You know, he does flash all the traits that I need in a running back. Um, You know, I think he has a lot of upside to potentially be, you know, a top 50 player. An interesting player that you mentioned there, Ronald Jones out of USC. I think this is a guy who 
is a little bit under the radar right now. I think, you know, you watch USC, this guy pops, you know, last year the, we, we were both fans of Justin Davis entering the season and and Jones really kind of stole the show average over six yards a carry 12 rushing touchdowns, uh, you know, definitely showed some big playability. So, uh, you know, when you think about what Sam Darnold's going to do in the passing game this year, you, th- you know, that's going to be really nicely complimented by Ronald Jones, who could wind up being, I think when it's all said and done, the, the, the first Pac-12 running back drafted uh, next spring if he continues to ascend. Yeah, I definitely agree. Jones is, is somebody I actually really, really like. He's got uh, – he's not overly big. But he runs bigger than what he's listed at. Uh, he runs like a, a 225, 230-pound back at some points. He's listed at 6'1", 195. Uh, but, but he runs with – Good forward tilt in his pads. He's a slashing style runner, uh, much like what uh, Davis was that you had mentioned that we both liked last year. But he's much more physical, and his feet have a quickness to them to be able to cut with that authority and really get north south and and explode down the hill. Downhill, uh, he eclipsed a thousand yards on less than 160 carries last year while sharing touches with Justin Davis. I think with him getting uh, a a lion's share of the carries this year, Jones is going to be a breakout player, Uh, as you mentioned, certainly complementing what what USC does with Sam Darnold. Uh, The other one that I had mentioned was Jamal Morrow from Washington State. This is a guy that's definitely under the radar because other than Luke Falk, I don't think anybody could could tell you a, a draft prospect on Washington State. Uh, but they do have a couple. Uh, Morrow is one. Morrow caught my two years ago. Really a fan of the versatility that he brings as a pass catcher. He went over 1,000 total yards last year. Uh, that was actually split, split pretty close to 50-50 rushing and receiving yards. Uh, he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield, 5'9", 200. Uh, that short, stout frame lends itself really well to him being uh, pretty nimble in short areas and making some some nice cuts. And you know, he's not afraid to put his pads down and get under guys and, and churn out a couple extra yards. So, just a name that I'm throwing out there as a, a utility style guy. He's it's certainly not, I don't think, a starter at the next level, but as a rotational piece. Uh, he is a name to watch because he brings a receiving skill set that is valuable in today's NFL. Let me throw out a name here, Kyle. Uh, this is one of the most fun football players I've seen in a long time. And I don't know if you got a chance to, to focus on him or if he caught your eye when we, we, uh, we evaluated that Oregon State guard, uh, Sean Harlow, he's tackle guard. Uh, their running back, Ryan Nall. Man, that dude runs like his hair is on fire. Physical. He's 6'2", 239. Last season, he had 951 yards and, and averaged 6.5 per carry with 13 touchdowns. And uh, he, he splits duties in the backfield. Um, but when he gets the football, man, that guy is just a wrecking ball. And he's got pretty good burst for a guy of his size. So uh, if, if anyone's looking for a sleeper name in, in, in the Pac-12, Check out this running back, Ryan Null, uh, because he is fun, he is physical, and he I, he just looks to just destroy people. I, I don't he, he's a guy that he's just fun. I'm not sure how great of a prospect he's going to be, but uh, if you're looking to have a good time watching the tape, check out Ryan Null. I think he could be a sleeper out there in the pack. He, he, remi- he reminds me of like Sam Rogers from Virginia Tech this year. Uh, Rogers got some cut, some carries out of the backfield. Uh, Nall actually came into Oregon State as an H-back tight end. Mm-hmm. 
And his redshirt freshman season, he got bumped to running back due to injuries, and he st- he stuck. He he had yeah, uh, over six yards of carry both years. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He had a uh, he had 174 yards against Oregon in nineteen in 2015 on 19 carries. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's a tough tough guy. He's built like a fullback. So uh, if you're not familiar with Sam Rogers. Uh, Sam Rogers was an H back tight end move piece running back kind of do it all guy for uh, Virginia Tech over the last couple years. Uh, Nall is fun in that same way in that he's like Joe mentioned he's just <laughs> frantic. I'd want him. You know what he's, I mean? I'd want him. Yeah, on my team. he's he's a guy that you you know maybe sign. Uh, as an undrafted free agent, or potentially take a late round flyer on if you're banking on him doing special teams, and you know just put together like a little mini package for him, oh, and, and see see how well he does with it, because he's he you know he will make the absolute most of every touch he gets. Yeah. I want him all on every special team unit, and I want to give him the ball sometimes and just get him a situation yeah. where he can just dare defensive backs to try to tackle him. Yeah, he's fun. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. You know, good good for you throwing some love to Oregon State. Uh <laughs> They don't have a lot of prospects to coming through there these days. Um, So in in browsing over their roster, I I have not been able to isolate a lot of names, and Ryan Nall is one. So hat tip to you, Joe. Let's talk about Utah, Cal. Let's talk about Utah. Let's talk about about Lowell Lotulele. (laughs) Well, he's the guy that I'm most familiar with. I I talked about him on film Friday last week, so I don't want to – you know, go on another low tulele ramp, but a physical dude, man, plays behind his hands. He's tough to move. He resets the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's just not a great athlete, and he doesn't have a lot of length. But uh, if he can show more of that this year, you know, I think he's fun. I really like him as a as a uh, as a plug in a uh, even front. I don't like him as a as a nose tackle, but you know, I think people will say that because he's like three hundred and forty pounds. But uh, get. Get this guy in an even front. Let him penetrate a little bit. Let him play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Maintain those run fits, and I think you got a quality, you know, really high quality uh, interior defensive lineman. Oh, totally agree with you. I think his uh, one tech and a four man front is a perfect fit for him. Absolutely. Um, they do have two other draft prospects that I'm, I'm going to give a shout to here, Joe. Uh, Kylie Fitz. Who's oh yeah. A, Redshirt senior transfer from UCLA. He uh, hurt his foot after two games last year and missed the rest of the year. Was granted a red shirt, and he is back, 6'4", 254. Um, 
So that's really going to be big for them because Utah lost a ton of talent. They lost eight mm-hmm. starters to the NFL draft last year. So the uh, the amount of returning guys that they have is going to be really big, and Fitz uh, is huge because they lost Hunter Dimmick and uh, Peter Taupenu. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I slaughtered that. Those two guys had 31.5 tackles for loss last year, and they're both gone. So, star being, or I'm sorry, star. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Lowell Lotulele and Kylie Fitz being returning starters on the defensive line is going to be huge for them because Utah's a team that plays pretty stout defense, yeah. and they need to be really gap sound up front. Uh, you know, they they are a blue collar team all around. So those guys are going to be really important for Utah, uh, keeping the screws tight in their front seven. And then another prospect that actually just uh, transferred over. This is Darren Carrington mm-hmm. wide receiver from Oregon. Uh, he's been cleared to play this year, Joe. This just came through, I believe yesterday he was dismissed from the program over the summer for a DUI incident. He was suspended indefinitely and then dismissed by Oregon uh, as a graduate transfer Utah decided to pick him up, and after about three or four weeks in limbo, they just announced uh, a little earlier this week or over the weekend that he's been cleared to uh, play starting in the season opener as a graduate transfer. So this is a guy that no less than two months ago was the number one receiving option on Oregon who's now stepping into the number one receiving role at Utah. He's a guy that hasn't really been able to put it together consistently. He's got some nice traits. He's tall and long, um, but I'm not too thrilled with his game. Maybe this will be an opportunity and a change of scenery to uh, help him make the most of some of his physical tools. Yeah, you, you know, Utah was right up there with the uh, the Alabamas and Michigan and Ohio yeah. State with, uh, with prospects last year drafted, so... Uh, it's uh, not all that often that you see them that high, but this is a gutted team. But, uh, you know, the way that they play really is an interesting contrast to the rest of that conference. And, you know, it's it's always fun to to see those guys with their more physical style, even though last year they flashed that vertical passing game a little bit on offense. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I always like this. Utah and Stanford are like the two teams out there. It's like I can't wait to see them play these other teams because it's such a different breed and a different contrast to what we're used to seeing. Yeah. It feels like those are kind of like the, the measuring sticks for the conference. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get to get a lot of these top teams like Oregon for so many years under Chip Kelly. Like you couldn't wait for them to play Stanford and Utah (laughs) because it was like, you'd find out, okay, Oregon's just crushing people. But if they had to play somebody from Limits the Big Ten or the you. SEC, how would they fare? But I'm not afraid and it, it always felt like the Stanford game and the Utah game were like as close as you would get to finding that out until it was time for it to actually happen. And they always played those Oregon teams tough. And I feel like it's the same thing now where like all these guys run spread stuff. Uh, the closest defensive parallels you'll get are Stanford and Utah. And um, I, I definitely agree you. with you, Joe. Uh, I th- I still think they'll be fine defensively, Utah. I think they will have uh, a very competitive team, but there might, just might be some growing pains because, as you said, they were they were right up there with the top teams for a number number of players that they lost. Kyle, any uh, any 
you know, just kind of flash here a bunch of names. Any other guys that you want to peep here at the, in the Pac-12 that we need to uh, mention before we close? Um, I mean, the I really wanted to give love to the USC defense, which we accomplished. We talked about Lolo Tulele. We talked about the quarterbacks. Um, not, not especially. I feel you know I feel bad. We haven't we haven't really touched on Cal or Stanford um, or Arizona or Colorado. Uh, you know I will give you one. Philip Lindsay, running back from Colorado. He's diminutive. He's he's I think like five eight one ninety ninety one ninety five something like that. Fun football player though. I remember the first time he stood out was uh, watching Colorado trying to. Uh, make that final push for the Pac-12 championship game, and uh, he's tough as nails, man. He he's kind of like a a uh, Denell Pumphrey style runner, like quick feet, you know, big time jitterbug type runner, uh, fun player. I don't necessarily think he's by any means a, a highly coveted draft prospect, but certainly a name to watch in this Pac-12 conference uh, for a Colorado offense that is going to need some help. Uh, after losing so many of their their stout defensive players, that offense needs to grow. They lost their starting starting quarterback in Sifo Lufau from last year. Uh, I would expect them to lean heavily on running back Philip Lindsay. So he's a name that should probably have some good production in the Pac-12. Kyle, the the Pac-12 last year had four ten win teams and one nine win team. You have UCL USC who finished the season on a nine game winning streak. Stanford finish the season on a six game winning streak where how do you see this conference shaping up is this is this ucla usc's conference uh to lose and and do you have any other uh, you know candidates that will be in the mix yeah i think uh usc's toughest tests are week two and three uh they have prime time games against stanford and texas mm-hmm. and uh i think those two games uh, are the toughest matchups that they will have. If they clear those, which it's interesting because we just talked about USC is going to be starting a lot of fresh faces along the offensive line. So it's dangerous mm-hmm. uh, going up against the, a blue-collar Stanford defense. Uh, if they crush Stanford, they, they blow the doors off Stanford, put 35-plus on them, I think they cakewalk through the rest of the Pac-12. And... Um, if I was a betting man, which sometimes I am, uh, I would bet on USC running the table in the Pac-12 regular season. Yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, if you had to say, Joe, you have to pick a, a team besides USC, uh, yeah, I, I tend to go Washington. I don't love the defense, yeah. but there's a lot of there's a lot of offense there to be excited about. You know, a, a, a more experienced Jake Brown, and you mentioned Miles Gaskins, who's a good. Uh, Good running back, Dante Pettis outside. They have pieces on offense that I think will uh, really help them. And, uh, you know, if I had to pick somebody else, it's probably going to be USC and Washington, you know, right there at the end of the season for the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, I think it's I think it comes down to those teams. Stanford's always a dark horse. You know they're going to play good football. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know if they have the firepower right now on that roster, losing McCaffrey. But, um, you know, they, they tend to recruit well, and, and so we'll see. They're, they're always in the mix, but I think it's USC and Washington above Stanford right now. Joe, listen to this Washington schedule. At Rutgers, home against Montana, home against Fresno State, at Colorado, at Oregon State, home against Cal, at Arizona State. And it, there's no losses here. No. 
Like oh, that's that's se- that's seven definitive wins. Home against UCLA. Home against Oregon. At Stanford on November 10th. Home against Utah. Home against Washington State. Tightens up that's, a little at the end, but that is a favorable schedule. Yeah, it's a really favorable schedule into the middle of November. I think that's and, – and they do not play USC. So no. that alone is, is – I feel really good about potentially undefeated playing for a college football playoff slot, spot in the Pac-12 championship game with those two teams not playing each other if it settles out that, that USC beats Stanford and Texas early on. You know, it, it's funny because it, it, you look at a lot of schedules and you're like, I don't, I don't know where the losses come from, but they do. They come, right? Yeah, they always so pop you, up. you got to go yeah. do it, but, uh, yeah, it certainly sets up very favorably uh, for Washington, man. I didn't realize that. Um, so that is going to do it for us today on the Draft Dudes podcast, recapping the uh, Pac-12 here and, and talking about the players you need to focus on this season, which is not far away, folks. Just a couple more weeks, and we will have live new football to talk about. So, uh so keep listening to the show. We'll have you ready. And uh, if, you, if you're if you not ready for the season in terms of which players to be watching, it's not our fault. You know, between the work we're doing on NDTScouting.com and, and the hours of podcasts we've done for you over the summer, we didn't take it off. We, we kept grinding for you. Uh, you know, you ought to be ready for this season. And, and by the time next April comes around, I mean, good gracious, you ought to be really ready for the NFL draft. So we are here to get you to that point. Um, you know, thanks for listening. Make sure you're staying connected with us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us that five-star rating. Make sure you're following along on Twitter. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. NDT Scouting has its own Twitter handle, at NDT Scouting LLC. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. I'm signing off for Kyle Krabs. This is Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu, Title Premium, 15 gigabytes, mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry, for a limited time, it's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com slash unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercials plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new line subject to credit. Third dollar activation fee speed. Maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.